Welcome to the HBG Bible Talks podcast, where we do simple, focused reading and discussion from God's Word, the Bible. I'm Stephen. And I'm Chase. We are Bible teachers in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we're excited to get into the Word and share it with others. All right, so uh, Jesus has uh, spent a bit in the middle of the sermon here addressing hypocrisy at the beginning of Matthew 6. And we're going to be finishing the chapter, hopefully, today on the pod, talking about finding peace through setting priorities. Um, This is so important um, because so many people are looking for peace, are trying to find the cure for anxiety. Uh, Jesus is going to talk a lot about anxiety at the end of this chapter. But sometimes the solutions people are using to find peace or get rid of anxiety are not the solutions that Jesus gives here. Yeah, absolutely. And so watch for what Jesus is going to do in the section we're about to read. He's going to split everything up into kind of like two options. And it's a really helpful way to teach. He does this a lot. So watch out for that with the section we're about to read. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 19 through 24, reading from the New American Standard Bible. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Okay. So there's really kind of three sections here that uh, all go together. And in verses 19 through 21, Jesus talks about treasures. It's kind of the key word repeated here. And he says, really, all of us are saving up treasure somewhere or for something, and he contrasts earth and heaven. Um, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, because as we all know, uh, if we were here long enough, moth and rust destroy, uh, thieves break in and steal, any kind of earthly possessions we have, whether money or other types of possessions, uh, can be gone in a moment. And sometimes I think as Americans, we are so short-sighted of that. I feel like we have things now that just last forever, it feels like. Compared to then, things were, were left out. They were easily exposed to rust and moths and, and moths and thing like, things like that. But especially thievery back then was a big, big deal, obviously. people It was much easier for them to sneak in and take things without people realizing. And so this point was well made then. Sometimes I think it can get lost on us now. But of course, Jesus' main point is, is none of these things last. They're so easily either destroyed or taken away. And so why would you want your treasures to be in something that is just so futile, so 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 empty and easily taken away? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, his, his two options here he's giving us is between heaven and earth. You, you can either spend all your time storing up treasures here, or you can store up treasures in heaven. Those are your two choices. Yeah. And you might say, well, like, how do I lay up treasures in heaven? I, I can't see the treasures. I can't see where they are. Like, it's not as satisfying as opening my bank account and being like, ah, retirement money or whatever, you know. Right. Uh, And I think that some of the other things Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount are how we lay up treasure in heaven. 
um, when we are investing in the, the character of our immortal soul, uh, when we are serving other people and giving in these ways and trusting that God will take care of us, all of the selfless things that we learn to do are investing in eternity. And the point he makes about that is in heaven, there's no rust, there's no moths, there's no thieves. Like the investments that you're making may not make you feel more secure in the moment right here because you don't have as big of a stockpile somewhere. But it's actually a much better investment because it will last forever. This is an eternal uh, investment that we're making when we're putting kingdom things first. Stephen, have you ever heard the phrase, that guy's got his head in the clouds? Have you ever heard that phrase? <laughs> I have, yeah. I, it's normally in a negative connotation, but I actually really like that phrase for a positive reason with this perspective. <laughs> it, it's a good thing to have your head in the clouds, meaning l- looking, setting your mind on things above. That's what right. Colossians 3 talks about. Um, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. Live with your head above the clouds, looking forward to heaven and in turn, as you live on this earth, storing up treasures for there because that's where your mind is. And I mean, that's going to affect every aspect of your life and every decision that you make. It'll come back to, well, what does someone who's storing up treasures on this earth, what would they do in this scenario? Opposed to, what would a passerby do? What would someone who's just a stranger here, mm-hmm. how would they treat this scenario or situation? Yeah, that's right. And I mean, Jesus makes this whole point in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's really the main point he's making here is where we invest our, our, our time and our money and our energy, our strength. That is uh, where our heart is really going to be. And, and that's the most important thing here is if all we're ever focusing on and spending our thoughts on is, okay, I got to take care of this, you know, investment and that investment, like this and that. And oh yeah, I should probably like read my Bible and like, but like really our treasure is in things of this world. That's where our heart's going to be. We might go through some religious actions, uh, like he talked about earlier in the chapter. You know, you you can go through the actions of prayer and fasting and giving to the poor, but but doesn't mean your heart is in it. Um, Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And every day we are either investing in earth or heaven. And that's uh, really important. And, and to be clear, uh, you know, there are things that we do on earth <laughs> that are spiritual things. Mm-hmm. It's not just to say that we just go and you know close ourselves off from everything on earth. No, like he says, you're the light of the world. We need to be out there doing things, serving people. Um, and that takes finances. That takes some of these right. things that the earth has here that won't be in heaven, but it's not our treasure. And I just love the teaching of Jesus because it is so specific. If you're struggling with this, well... Where am I storing up treasures? He asks, well, where's your heart? Where, where is all of your attention going? That might be another way to phrase that. Mm-hmm. Where your attention goes, that's often where your treasure is. That's right. And speaking of attention, that really leads us into the next couple of verses, verses 22 and 23. These are the ones that really confused me for a long time. Yeah. Like, the eye is the lamp of the body. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, and uh, I think it's helpful to check out some older Bible translations of this. I think I think they've got a pretty cool handle on this. So this is from the King James Version. You don't hear that that version very much anymore, but it, it's, it's a good translation. And it says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, 
thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Did you all notice the, the kind of shift of language in the old English there? Well, if, if thine eye be single. Yeah. Sorry, I just picture like a pirate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah with his eye pad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's this guy who has this, this single eye, and then in verse 23, someone with an evil eye. Um, and that's actually terminology we hear a lot. Um, there's some old songs I think of. There's an old Johnny Cash song that talks about a guy with an evil eye. And that's terminology we're used to. And we get more into that in just a second. But this idea of having a single eye, as the KJV reads it, um, really brings with it this idea of not being divided in your priorities. And mm-hmm. in Matthew's account, we're looking at the adjective form of this Greek word. But the noun is used several times in the New Testament in regard to simplicity or sincerity. And uh, also, this word has generosity associated with it as well. But what I really think this idea paints for us of having a single eye is having pure motives, having a single-minded focus, uh, of course, and that means a focus for God and the things in his in, in his kingdom, so treasures in heaven, uh, really. So I think that's really what the idea here is of a single eye, a single priority, not being divided, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, and in this really all of what he's talking about here is where is your mind or your priorities, your treasure, your heart? And I mean, the ESV has if your eye is healthy. Um, which, oh, cool. Which gets back to that idea yeah. of like purity. Uh, what does the New American Standard have there? A simple eye. If your eye is simple? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Um so simple, single, healthy. It oh, sounds, sorry. Sounds like I is clear. I apologize. Clear. Okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah. So this word only comes up in Matthew and Luke when Jesus is saying this thing. But again, I come back to the idea of just uh, the eye is where you can tell someone's attention is. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at someone and their eyes are here or there, or you can tell they're not paying attention because they're not making eye contact. That's what the eye does is the eye tends to go where the mind is. Yeah. If you're thinking about something, you're going to look at that thing. Yep. And so he's saying the eye is the lamp of the body. Um, he uses the light imagery here as well, that like if your eye is set on good things or if it's focused, single, you know, that idea you brought up, then your whole body will be full of light. But I think the idea here is that it's like your desires, what you're looking at, what you're taking in, um, if your eyes are on good things, if you're thinking on good things, kind of like Philippians 4, 8, you know, whatever is pure, lovely, holy, you know, think on these things, have your eye on these things. If your eye is on things that are full of light, your whole body is right. going to be full of light. And the contrast with that, of course, is in verse 23. If your eye is bad or if your eye is evil, as the KJV says, your whole body will be full of darkness. So you have this idea of not only is light being brought in, but darkness is being brought in as well. And in comparison, what is that light really going to do in a room full of darkness? That's why there's this need for for there to be an entirety of light, not any darkness whatsoever. Yes. And Jesus will use this idea of light and darkness in a variety of ways. Um, He's already talked about being the light of the world and not putting a lamp under a basket. But here it's really talking about in our own heart, in our own life, where we put our desires and our focus and our heart is going to affect everything else in our life. He's talking about priorities and really in all of these things. Um, don't lay up treasures on earth. Lay them up in heaven. That's for priorities. Um, let your eye be on things that are full of light. 
the eye is the lamp of the body. And what we're focused on, what we're looking at, is going to make a difference in, uh, in where our heart really is. There's also, I think, a part of this that carries with, with having impure motives. Um, mm-hmm. So even when there is light inside of you, um, even when you're trying to do a good thing, there's a part of you that's doing it for the wrong reasons. And that's why I think it's cool to, again, tie in an old KJV verse from Proverbs 23. This is verses 6 through 8. Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty meats. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. The morsel which thou hast eaten shall thou vomit up and lose thy sweet words. I'm sorry, dainty meats got me. I know, the old English is rough, but the point of that passage is, is this guy with an evil eye, he's actually convincing the people that he has pure motives, but he doesn't. He's got impure motives, and there's something shifty about him. And so I think that's an important thing to see here, even though there might be some light in you that could just be a disguise for the deep darkness that's actually in you. And that's why Jesus is saying, open up and let complete light in Mm -hmm. to expose all the darkness. So that's my KJV rant for the day. I'll sign off. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate it. Thank you, Jake. No problem. (laughs) Well, this all spills into the last part of this, uh, verse 24 where he says, no one can serve two masters. Uh, He will either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Again, uh, this is where the King James also helps out God and mammon. Because the idea of mammon, it's a a word that can mean money, but it's not just money. It can also mean your possessions, your goods. And that's helpful to realize here. It's not just talking about dollar signs, you know but also the possessions that go along with that. Mm-hmm. You can't serve God and stuff is another more vernacular way to put it, I guess. But we it's so challenging, uh, this admonition from Jesus is, because I think we all struggle with our split priorities, our split mm-hmm. attention that this whole section has been talking about. And as hard and challenging as it is for us, it would have been for these people listening as well, And that's what sets Jesus' kingdom so far apart from the rest of the world is because he is talking about a complete dedication to him um, and to his father. It it is not a half in, half out. It's Mm -hmm. you got to be all the way in. Um, We can't split split our priorities and our resources. Yep. You know, just thinking about this, biblical examples, I think about Judas in this. Uh, This is really what happened to Judas. He, He was claiming to follow Jesus, and maybe even told himself, yeah, I'm a disciple of Jesus. But when it came down to it, money won out Mm -hmm. over his other master, and he preferred one master and despised the other, and sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. You see it in Ananias and Sapphira in Acts the fifth chapter. They were Mm. also lying about an income thing, and it was money that that ultimately... A a generous gift, you know, like... And so it, it really is sobering to see the, the pull that money has on people. Um, it's the root of all kinds of evil, Paul write in 1 Timothy 6. And we got to recognize that we can't serve two masters. And so many times we tell ourselves that we really, no, 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 I've got one master. But we have to look at the fruit of our life. Where's your heart? Where's your treasure? Um, that's what Jesus is trying to get his listeners to do is examine their own hearts and all three of these things, are you going to lay up treasures on earth or in heaven? Are you going to set your uh, eye on light or darkness? Are you going to serve this master or that master? Because you have to pick one. 
You cannot pretend to serve both. It's exhausting to try to serve both. And in the end, we can't. One of them will win out in the end. And I think it's good at this point to just try and determine for, for ourselves, how can I know if riches really are are my treasure? How can I determine something like that? But um, I think there can be some obvious red flags. You know, The way that we might react whenever our possessions are damaged um, or, or taken away from us. How do we truly react to that? Is it, well... The Lord's provided for me in the past, he'll provide for me again, or is it complete despair? Um, are we? How quick are we to lend, sell, or give our possessions away in someone's time of need? And um, how much time are we spending working or obtaining more possessions and more stuff on this earth? I think those can all be some telltale signs as to whether or not this is a problem in our life. Mm-hmm. Good point. And and we'll talk about in just a minute in this last section about there's some uh, there's extremes that we can go to here. You know, if we're not working at all, we need to be told if a man's not going to work, neither let him eat. Mm-hmm. But if we are so focused on work and just anxious about that, then we need to hear what Jesus is about to say in verses 25 through 34. So let's go ahead and read that the rest of chapter six. Uh, Matthew 6, starting in verse 25. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, I think in a lot of ways, this section could be a response to those who've just heard Jesus say, don't be mastered by money. Because some might be thinking, you know, well, I have to work. I have to provide for my family. These are still things that have to get done. And Jesus is, is, he's not saying quit working, but he is trying to help them realize that kingdom citizens have to rely on themselves less and rely on the Lord more. And so uh, this is the necessary correction that someone would make who has been relying on themselves and relying on money to take care of them. They need to trust the master. And Jesus will explain what that looks like mm-hmm. using creation and some other things to make his point. Yeah. And it's really sobering to think about. He's not saying like, don't worry about like all these extra things. He's saying like what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear. Yeah. I mean, those are basic human needs and, I'm worried about a lot less important things than mm-hmm. those. And Jesus is saying, don't don't even worry about these most basic things. Again, he's not saying don't work. He's not saying don't um, seek to provide. But he points out um, for uh, what you eat, look at the birds. 
that God takes care of them. They don't have these huge barns, these huge storehouses of like, here's what I'm going to have for years to come. They just they go out and the Lord provides what they need. And the Lord knows what we need. It's so important to see creation teaches us about God's care for all sorts of things. And he says, you're of even more value you know, than, than the birds. If God takes care of the birds, how much more is he going to take care of you? And sometimes we just need that simple reminder. If we're so caught up, so worried, so anxious, just going outside, find a bird to look at and think, how is that bird staying alive? God's taking care of that bird. And God's going to take care of me. That's a simple, <laughs> a very simple way to calm down. In the wintertime, has anybody ever been, oh, I really need to get these birds inside my house. I'm afraid they're going to freeze to death. <laughs> no, God's taking care of them. You know, I really like this idea in verse 26 where Jesus specifically calls God the heavenly father that's feeding them. And this really is the idea of father that we're talking about. I'll say it, I did not understand what it meant that God was my father as fully as I did until I had a kid. As I think about the many ways I'm required to provide for my daughter, but I also enjoy to provide for my daughter. Um, and as I think about her, you know, I never at any point in her life want her to worry about, you know, is dad going to feed me? <laughs> you know, like that, that will never be a concern of hers as long as I'm alive because I am her father. I will take care of her. She is my daughter. I will feed her and make sure she has what she needs in this life. And I didn't fully appreciate that, obviously, until I had kids. But that's exactly what Jesus is telling us here, that this is the way God is with us. And ultimately, my daughter, it's not me she needs to rely on for those things. She needs to rely on the Father, God. He's the one that's giving us these things. So I just really appreciate Jesus specifically calling out that this is something that your heavenly Father is doing to help us understand who God is. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that he says in verse 27, where he doesn't really accomplish anything. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Some translations say can add a single cubit to his stature. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, There's different ways of translating that, but the point is the same. Worrying doesn't change anything. It doesn't do anything productive. So, oh, hey, what you been doing today? Oh, I've been worrying about this thing that's coming up all day. And you're like, oh, is it any better? No. Mm-hmm. Now, let me let me be clear. There, there are some balancing passages in the New Testament that talk about Paul being anxious for the churches. Uh, th- there is a place for godly concern for other people. But it's kind of interesting sometimes to do a, a study on the word anxiety and the, the words associated with it. Let's talk about there's reasons to be anxious and there's reasons not to be anxious. And here he talks about you know food and clothing, like God's going to take care of his children. He's going to take care of you. Um, And worrying about this kind of thing doesn't help anything. It doesn't add anything to your stature, an hour to your life. Um, It's just uh, really makes things worse a lot of the time. You know, it's interesting going back to one of our first few episodes when we were in Mark 4 going through the parable of the sower. It's interesting that Jesus describes those who are among the thorny ground like this in Mark 4, 18. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Mm -hmm. Um, That's important to see here. Jesus is specifically saying worrying isn't going to help anything. 
And in fact, it's going to do more damage. He doesn't say that if that's the good soil, but it's the thorny soil. It's important to see that. Yeah, great point. Well, the other uh, nature analogy that Jesus uses, as he uses so many, um, is the flowers. Uh, you know, if you're worried about what you're going to wear, go take a look at the flowers. Solomon ain't got nothing on those guys. <laughs> they are. That was uh, cool. That was cool that Jesus said that. They just, uh, even Solomon in all his glory. Uh, which you go read about Solomon and you know First Kings, it, it it's breathtaking. Uh, the Queen of Sheba had no breath left in her when she saw all of Solomon's wisdom and riches, and um, and Jesus is saying, "Listen, simple flower of the field, it's here today, it's thrown in the fire tomorrow, but God just decks those flowers out in glory and splendor. God's going to take care of you too." And again, things that are pretty much universal in our experience, birds and flowers are just constant daily reminders of God's care for us. And it's easy for us to forget. It's so easy for me to forget. We get caught up in life. We get caught up with our responsibilities and pressures. Um, and he says, like, just let the things around you every day remind you that your heavenly father is taking care of you. You know, I like how he ends verse 30. You of little faith. If you are so tempted to believe that your father isn't taking care of you, that's a lack of trust in him and a lack of understanding of what he's capable of. I think that's overlooked a lot there in verse 30. But you know, there's really two options. I heard a friend of mine put it this way in this section. When you think about who is your provider going to be? One provider in life is worry. Because worry is going to make you get out and get what you think matters. It's going to make you get out and get it with your own hands. And really, worry produces within yourself self-reliance. You're, you're, you're relying on your own needs, and on your own hands, excuse me, to accomplish what you need. Or your provider can be God, who Jesus has proven is more than adequate <laughs> to provide for his creation. And so, as Jesus has done, who are you going to pick? Which, which, what are your, here are your two options. Who are you going to pick to be your provider, yourself and your own worry? Or are you going to pick the Father, um, the Great Father, who can who can truly do something about this? Um, and so verse 31, do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? The Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. You know, God's not up there going, oh, oh I forgot, i got to give him this. You know, God doesn't have to guess. He knows exactly what his creation needs because he created it. And so I love the contrast in 32 and 33. The Gentiles are eagerly seeking what to eat, drink, and clothe themselves with. The contrast in verse 33 is, is you seek his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Yep. You don't have to look for those things. They'll be given to you when you seek God. Yeah. N notice how parallel those two things are. Seek and all these things. Uh, the Gentiles seek after all these things. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And that's the beautiful thing is that people spend their whole lives so focused on possessions, security, you know, fill in the blank, all these things. And they, they, they find them elusive. They find them hard to, to get. But when we prioritize God's kingdom and God's righteousness, God will help us take care of all those other things the necessary ones. Um, again, we don't serve God as a means to an end, mm -hmm. health and wealth gospel kind of sure. thing. Like, oh, if I serve God and put him first, then he'll fill my bank account and he'll give me a new car. And he'll, and like, no, 
the basic things. God's going to take care of you. And it's so important to see how peace comes through priorities here. If we want to be free from anxiety, we have to be ready to put God's kingdom first. And there really is a peace that comes when, okay, I, when it comes to my finances or when it comes to my life and my time, my priorities, once I finally say God is going to come first and I'm going to make sure that I'm serving him with the very best that I have, there's a peace that comes with that. Okay, God will help me take care of the rest, but I'm making sure that I'm serving him first. And it's exhausting to try to split our priorities, to serve two masters. Uh, that's what really causes anxiety yeah. is we're kind of trusting God, but mainly we're trying to take and, care of it ourselves. And it's also what can root or give way to depression and, and things like that. When you are constantly trying to do all of this yourself, you are going to burn out. <laughs> You're not built to do all this by yourself. You're built to submit to your master. That's your whole purpose. And so um, a lot of a lot of our, our anxiety, depression can, I think, sometimes stem back to we're relying too much on ourselves. We're not relying on the Father enough mm-hmm. in so many cases. Yep. But this is a humbling section of Scripture. Um, it, it's, it's good for all of us to slow down and think about it. And I also appreciate the advice Jesus gives in verse 44, or 34, excuse me. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The way I reword that in my mind, Stephen, is take it one day at a time. One day at a time. That is right. What are you doing worrying about tomorrow? You don't even know if you have tomorrow. Worry about it one day at a time. Tomorrow might have its own problems, and it's going to take care of its own self. It is what it is tomorrow. But guess what? It's not tomorrow. It's today. Think about today. I love that. Yeah. And you back up in the chapter, Jesus taught us to pray in verse 11, give us this day Mm -hmm. our daily bread. Thank you. Good connection. That is uh, what God has promised, is to give us the bread enough for today. And so don't worry about tomorrow. He gives us our manna in the morning and just enough for today. That's all we were looking for. And let me tell you, that that is uh, overcoming anxiety 101. Uh, We try to tackle all of the future anxieties and all of what's going to happen. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen. I just need to take it one day, maybe even one hour, one minute at a time. If you're going through grief, if you're going through sorrow, you're going through temptation, you're going through whatever. Repentance. One day at a time. One day at a time. That's all the strength that we need is to make it through today. And then tomorrow, worry about that tomorrow. Always uh, always be focused on this mentality that, that I do need to be doing something today. But that's all, all that I'm promised. And so mm-hmm. I will do what I can to fix things today. I will do what I can to, to rely more on God today and leave it at that. Um, a beautiful admonition from Jesus. Um, Stephen, you got anything else? Uh, that's this? all I've got for this chapter. Well, Lord willing, next week we're, we'll get into chapter 7, obviously. And Jesus is going to have some more to say specifically about how we treat other people. So he spent a lot of time talking about how we are to put trust in God and kind of talking about our own individual trust in the Lord. But now he's going to turn it and he's going to say, okay, you're living in a kingdom with other people. So this is how you should treat them and and so forth. So uh, Lord willing, we'll get into that next week. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you're enjoying what you're hearing on the podcast, please subscribe, rate, review. That will help us spread this. 
Um, if you'd like to study with us, we'd love to do this kind of thing with you and answer your questions. 717-585-0949 or email at capitalcitychristians at gmail.com. Or for more information, check us out at capitalcitychristians.com. Thanks so much for listening.